What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Moonlighters Club. Uh, It's the holidays now. I would say happy holidays, but we're not that good at our editing schedule yet, so you're probably going to get this in January or February. But then, I don't know, there's going to be another holiday going on. I think Ramadan happens. I don't know. Happy holidays, first of all. Second of all, to all of of our listeners, maybe your first-time listener or you've been listening to Moonlighters Club for a while, we usually record our episodes in Boston, Massachusetts, either at my house, my job, or my old school, Suffolk University. I'm actually in Minnesota because I used to live here, weirdly, for about 10 years, so my mom's out here. The reason I'm telling you that is if you hear a lady yelling and telling me to do something at some point during this podcast, that's my mother. (laughs) And I don't think I can ignore her, so we'll just find a way to fill that time if I have to walk up and take the trash out or, you know, wash dishes or something like that. But hopefully that does not happen. (laughs) So thanks for coming back. Uh, We have another guest. Uh, for those of you out there, if you could find guests for us, that would help too. Um, right now, I'm kind of just going through the phone book and randomly emailing people on LinkedIn, which has done okay so far. But I would like more people, men and especially women. So for those of you out there who have friends who are following their dreams while working and you think they'd be a good addition to our podcast, please email us, moonlightersclub at gmail.com. Go to our website, moonlightersclub.com. They can fill out a form. Uh, or send us an email, whatever's easier for you, or you can reach out to us on Facebook. So, without further ado, uh, let's introduce you to our, our guest. Hello. What's going on? How y'all doing? What's up? Uh, what's your name? Say my name? No, I was gonna. Add, I was gonna have you say it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how. Yeah, I'm usually I just. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> a few of the guests I couldn't pronounce their name, so I just go ahead and scratch that. And I'm yeah, like, your sense. name is blank, and then they just go ahead and fill it out. Cool. So, what is your name? My name is Anthony Dubose, also known in the music world. As Aquil, so you might know me as Anthony Debose or Ant, or you might know me as Aquil. Nice, nice to meet you, Anthony. Thank uh, you. All right, cool. Pleasure uh, having me. Uh, Anthony and I are actually really close friends. He's known about this for a while, but yeah. I'm not savvy enough to do remote interviews. So now that I'm in <laughs> Minnesota, we got a little bit of time, absolutely, so I can do it face to face. So, Ant, we're gonna stop off uh, by just asking you, what do you what do you do? What's your full time gig that you do right now? My full-time gig, I am a DJ. <clears throat> uh, specifically, I do a lot what, a lot of weddings uh, through a company called Instrument Request. Um, but in addition, I do uh, weddings, I do corporate events, um, and as well as on the side of my own time, I'll do um, like parties. Um, then um, also my girl, she has an event, uh, 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 excuse me, she has a company that throws events around town, and I've done a few uh, DJs, uh, DJ a few of their gigs as well too over the last couple of years. So we've had uh, one of our first guests, one of our favorite guests, Jamerson Vincent, DJ Nexus. Look yeah. it up, episode number two, if you have not already. Number two. Uh, I listened to it. That was a good interview. He, he's a DJ <laughs> as well, uh, and his path kind of went college. It's kind of his thing. Music, making music, and the production. Mm-hmm. How do you get specifically in the, the field of DJing that you're in? I know you do a lot of weddings, and yeah. I kind of see, I feel like it gets the a reputation as like, the hack DJ thing, you know what I mean? It like, does. It's, yeah, and like I, I think it definitely depends on what type of DJ you are. Um, because so when, when I first started, so even just let's go all the way back, like, um, obviously, I'm a well, not obviously, this is my first interview with you guys, but uh, I've, I have a lot more uh, experience with being an MC. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time, but we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but from the DJ aspect, you know, I picked up on a lot of things and just uh, understand from like a customer type uh from that side like how like i like music kind of played so then when you 
go into say like a wedding, I think people a lot of times phone it in because it's a wedding. And my whole thing was, you know, DJing, no matter what event I'm DJing, I DJ how like I want to hear, like say if I'm at a club or lounge or whatever, like, you know, coming up off DJs, you know, that we grew up listening to, you know, through hip hop, it was always about like, you know, hype songs, like smooth transitions or like, you know, bringing it back if it was hot. And so I incorporate that stuff into weddings. So through that, I mean, it obviously I'm, you know, this is year number six for me doing this. And I'm actually with the company. We are, we're currently the number one uh, DJ company in uh, Minnesota. Definitely one of the tops in the Midwest. Uh, that's been 12 years running. And then I've, I'm currently the number one DJ at the number one company. So that's for a reason. And especially like with that style. So I do think overall, if you are somebody who's looking to just, you know, phone it in and just kind of like, you know, set a playlist and stuff, you technically can do that at weddings and get away with it. But I think that as you get more and more people who are interactive and bringing this type of vibe into that, into that, because a lot of people, they don't want traditional wedding stuff anymore. They want to feel like you're at a party. And it's like, why wouldn't you? Like, it's a celebratory day. You're in a room with people that are probably only going to meet that one time in life ever. Like, coming from West Coast, East Coast, or coming from out of town, coming from out of the country. So, why shouldn't it be festive? So, to me, yeah, I definitely like to interject that type of, like, just party vibe. You know, we'll take care of all the other stuff as well. Make sure everything, you know, runs seamless. And then when it's time to party, we party hard. And it definitely pays off. So, I'm already booked for almost 40 gigs next year, which is usually not heard of. You know, but it's, that's that's the a testament to, to, to the good work. So, that's how I look at it. Jeez, I was not expecting that. I usually, I was like, but I think the thing is about weddings or doing anything related to a wedding. I know it can be extremely lucrative, right? So whether you're planning it, whether you're DJing it, and James likes to tell us, that was his, our other DJ who was on was, and I shouldn't say other DJ, you do tons of other things. Yes. That's the main That we will get into. But he would talk about how he hated doing weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he felt limited. Because you know, you have people that want to get married. They want, they do want to party you. They just want their party uh, done a certain way. So it limited his creativity. Yeah. So aside from that, the actual process of mm-hmm. you know meeting a bride and groom, practicing things, mm-hmm. uh, setting the whole event up, and then executing it. Is it as bad as people say it is? Like, I mean, I've been to like a few weddings, so I don't know what goes on behind <laughs> it. I was actually in one and I hated it. But is it <laughs> yeah. as bad? Sorry, Leonard. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was it. Is it as bad as people say? Does it just vary? You know what I mean. Like, as far as the entire process, varies. and it's not as many bridezillas that I, I expected to like run across. Okay. And so I don't know if that's you know again if that's just a testament to like what I'm doing. So prior to even DJing, like because again music has always been like the love and passion on yeah. like, the DJ side and the MC side. But I've always, you know, obviously worked at other jobs. One of those other former jobs, I was a project manager. So a lot of those, and I did that for five and a half years. Um, A lot of those skills transfer into the wedding industry because you have to be organized and you want things to be streamlined. So I think once, like, having those brides and grooms they get a chance to talk to and they see that, number one, you understand the music. Number two, you understand, like, what they're looking for. Number three, you can actually interject some stuff. It's like, oh, this is cool, but let me show you this. This is going to make it a little better. And then show them that, you know, you're able to keep things organized and on track. They're usually just like, have at it, you know. And then now, uh, again, because having, like, the reputation, like, company-wise is one of the best in the uh, in Minnesota. And then now me being recognized as one of the best, like, at the company, pretty much they just let me have free reign. It's like, we want this and that, but after that, you do you, we trust you. And, like, anything you can help us with, let us know. And that, and that you know, that, that feels good. 
Now, there definitely are some where no matter how good you are, they're just going to be super hands-on, super just controlling. That can be annoying because, you know, end of the day, you're trying to make sure they're having the best day. And when someone's just kind of like choking, it's like you're actually going to make it worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you'll, you'll get some. Um, I got a, I got a couple of bridesmaids stories. We can talk about them. But, <laughs> but, for the, but for the most part, people have been cool. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, I think it's me. I'm more of a person where it's like, I, you know, I, I, I get this and I understand it and I, I understand the full spectrum. So because of that, I can put that care into like these little nooks and crannies. And then if you allow me that chance to do that, you know, then, you know, let me do that. And if I'm, you know, killing it, let me keep killing it. If you feel like I'm, you know, doing terrible, then by all means you can take over or whatever. But yeah. that's, that's what I've gotten out of all those, like. Uh, you have to be able to, you, ha- you have to have some sort of trust. There has to be some sort of um, um, flexibility on both sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you get some DJs who, who also don't fit that world because they do want to just do what they do and they just want to play what they want to play. Right. So, for instance, doing weddings, you got um, you have a wide crowd that you're playing for. Um, and I'll say even on a side note, but this actually opened my ears up to like music I probably wouldn't even like before. But having these wide range of crowds and being real, we're in Minnesota, so you know what it is. Um, you got to learn a lot of, you know, classic rock, alt rock, um, even like some 90s. Or, I mean, 90s is cool, uh, but like, you know, pop or, you know, me, I'm a hip-hop head. So if I'm just listening to stuff I want to listen to, then we're listening to Dead Prez, Most Deaf, and Moral Technique, Quali, Nas. All day. Very, that's very divisive. Very divisive music. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that's not gonna work at a wedding, you know. But when you when you when you're DJ, your main goal is you want people dancing. So my thing, my mentality is, well, I just want people dancing. So whatever you dance to, whatever like your issues, you know. Can we cuss on this? Yeah, we can swear. It's okay. a podcast. I Shit. <laughs> God damn it. I don't really cuss that much, but like, I, didn't, I, felt this, this, I don't want to feel the need to self My mom's so. upstairs, so we can only do so well, much. because of that. No, no, no. Shout out. Yo, his mom is awesome. If, uh, if you ever have a chance to meet his mom, like, they're so much alike, it's, it's real funny. Like, she swears all the time. It's the funniest part about it. Speaking so, speak of that, it sounds like a really positive feedback about your job. Where were this? Yeah. Where would you rank? Doing what you do now, because I know, like, I know you personally, right? So I, yeah. I understand the work that you put into this. Mm-hmm. Of all the jobs you had, where would you rank this one? This would be, this would definitely be for just in terms of like for fun or generating money or. Just, let's see if we, can, if we can get a combination of both. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Let's just take money out of it, right? Out of pure, like, I can't actually wake up and do this. Mm. Where would you put this? Um, it would still probably rank like top three, um, because you know you're, you're, I'm getting to play music. You know, okay. And to me, I, and, and I know even though we're taking money out of it, I'm getting paid to party. Like, nice. That's that's how I look at it. Like if you, my my thing is I'm I'm gonna be we're gonna be here. It's a long day. You know that's that's the part of the DJs don't like it is because it's such a long day. Like you're working 10, 12 hour days, and that's real. You know, like, yeah. You're set up to your breakdown and everything. You're the first person to be there. You're the last person to leave. You know, you're the man at like eleven fifty nine and twelve o'clock. Then at twelve oh one is just like all right, and people's out, and you're just breaking down by yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know the fact that we're just gonna play music and have fun. I've had other jobs before that are not fun at all. So this what's, is something that's not it's not the ultimate goal, but it is a super fun job. Sign up. What's the shittiest job you ever had? Just want to know. <laughs> shittiest job? Where you're like, why did I? While you're thinking, might, I'll throw I'll, one in door to door sales. I'll just go ahead. Yeah, you. Yeah, I wasn't a fun job. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was. I was deep in that cult. Um, uh, I would say one would be. 
when I was uh, I don't know if it's a, it's not the rock bottom, but when I was a dietary aide, um, and not that it was like a super terrible job, it was just like any job, you know, you're walking around like clearing dishes or whatever. But I worked at a rehabilitation hospital, and there were certain uh, certain floors, you know, where, so it, this hospital like there was no like emergency room, like everybody if you're there, you're there for a minute, there ain't right? No, you know. So there were uh, floors where, like, they were, like, kind of older, like, senile folks, and they had to be, like, on that one wing or whatever. So you knew when you went to that floor, you had to, like, get in and get out. So my shift was, like, I worked 6, like, 5.36 in the morning, got off at, like, 2. And so you had to, like, stock the fridges, like, with all, like, the breakfast stuff. Some people had the puree stuff, which was man nasty. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to kind of creep in there quiet to, like, restock the fridge, get the old stuff out and dip out, because if any of them were awake, they'd try to get out. And then a lot of times if there weren't any nurses around, it's me versus you don't know how this person's going to react and if they're on their medication or not. So it was always interesting. But that floor was even there a little bit slower, like I said, more or older. Then there was another floor we called it. It was four, four west, so uh, four floor west side of the building. That's where, I don't know what the official term is, so apologies, no disrespect to anybody. We called them the crazies. Because they were crazy. <laughs> like, there, <laughs> there was one dude. <laughs> this is real. There was one dude, uh, my first day on the job, and they were telling us about this guy. His name, his name is actually Joe. Um, not Joel, like our host, but Joe. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> and they were like, yo, you, you got to watch out for him because like he's cool. But he his issue was, I don't know what the official like medical term is, but whenever he got upset, like, you know, like your, like, whatever, like, gland is, like, pump, pumping, like, and it gets you, like, that gets that flowing or whatever. Yeah. It pumped too much. So, like, when you get angry, he like, super angry. Ah. So, you know what I mean? So, I mean, like, Incredible Hulk, like, real life style. Yeah. So, this dude, like, right away, like, you know, we run into this dude on our first day. Um, and it, this is for, for context of this uh, story, you know, it's a, it's a black dude. Um, so, when he came up and it was, like, me and another guy were bringing the food. And right away, he's at the door. So, the nurses are kind of by him because they know, like, you never know what sets him off. Is it can be whatever. Okay. He comes up and he's looking at the other guy and he was like, oh, what's up, man? And he was kind of looking at him. We're like, hey, how you doing? So we're trying to just move past him with our cart. He looks at me and he's like, oh, what's up, brother? Oh, you a real brother. You got a do-rag on. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Well, I got the stamp of approval, so I'm good. So I got the, you know, while I was wearing a do-rag at work at the time, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> you, you slipped that through. That's dietary age, whatever. <laughs> But there's another time with the same dude. So I'd always talk to him, you know, so that was, that was my end. Like, all right, what up, brother? How you feeling? So we was always good. And it was one day we would, um, it was me and another one of the uh, dietaries. We went up to restock the fridge. So again, it's like 6, 6 30 in the morning. Most people you think usually sleep, a couple of them would be up. So now their refrigerator room was like kind of separate from like their main room. So yeah. the door they closed. So me and the lady in there, we're trying to fill up the fridge. This dude kind of creeps in and he closes the door. So we turn around like, oh, and I'm like, you know, so I'm very much like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, like oh, shit. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, what's I'm up, like, Joe? What's up, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's up, what's going on, baby? And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. So he's like kind of watching us. And he's like, you know, I mean, how, are you feeling today? And he's like, I'm good. So we're having this normal conversation. But so imagine just like a regular conversation. But as we're filling a fridge, the other person's like slowly looking for like a weapon. Because this dude actually grabs like this broom handle. And he just, as he's talking, like, he just starts unscrewing the broom handle. So we're like, bro. I'm the crazy? Head. Yes. No offense. The crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, yo, I don't know what's going on. But I'm like, this is like, is this the Warriors? We got to fight to get up out of here now? What's going on? But by the time we got done, because he asked us, like, for some help. We're like, no, we got it. And then we got done. We're like, all right, Joe, we got to get out. And he's like, okay, cool. And he just, like, lets us out the room. But I'm like, I don't know what was triggering in his head at the time where he's just like, 
I'm just, like, he's just having a normal conversation, but he's just unscrewing this thing. And I'm like, is it the lady tricking him that's with me? Like, I don't know. But there was other stories about this dude where, you know, he was, like, banging his head, like, on, like, the windows. Just, like, until, like, he'd get, like, a cut and stuff. Like, it was crazy. But by the end of the time of that job, so, um, this dude, they put him on so much medication. And it actually was, like, real sad. The last time I seen him, he was in a wheelchair. He was, like, super big. Like, he gained all this weight, like, blow, like from whatever medication they put him on. And he yeah. was just pretty much, like, a vegetable. Like, yeah. you talked to him, and he was kind of, like, uh, like you know, slobbering. Like, and it was just mad sad. Like, it, you know, and that was a lot of, that was a case with a lot of people there. They were just there for a while. Um, I'm not going to say in regards to, like, what the level of care they were getting. I'm sure it was the best they could be given. But right. when you're in a rehabilitation hospital, it's a lot. You know, and I'm sure yeah. just, you, know, you definitely get people. Because there was people in there who had their arms, like, nurses or whoever in there that had their arms broken, have had, you know, cuts or just, you know, they've been attacked. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, that's part of your job. That's where you work. You know what I mean? And I'm sure, you know, because, again, what his, his, what his situation was where, again, he gets so angry. Yeah. You know, they probably got tired of dealing with that and just started pumping him with medication. But it was it was sad. Like, I felt, like, real bad for him. Like, you know, you know, like, deep down that dude was just a real cool dude. But right. there's certain things that are just beyond your control. You know what I mean? That's the um, saddest thing we've ever heard on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was the back. worst question I ever asked. <laughs> so, <laughs> I that, apologize. That, 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 that ranks <laughs> Whoever's crying, I am so sorry. That I... <laughs> to, to, to Joe, wherever you're out there, man, like shout out to you. Hope you're still out there living. Hope you're out there drooling, Joe. <laughs> no, keep, keep... <laughs> so that's an impression. Let's land this up, man. Yeah, but Connie, it's it's been, it's it's interesting listening. You know, even hearing that awful, terrible story. It's funny you work so many jobs and then you forget yeah. how long you've come. So even mm-hmm. the job you can do for a while it becomes pedestrian, and then you're yeah. like, "Yo, six years ago I was doing what?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, the stuff you're worried about now or you're pissed about now, you're like, "Shit, actually I'm doing." And then you forget how much how well you're doing. I feel like most people on yeah. this podcast, including myself, mm-hmm. we're, we judge ourselves by the standards of what we want to be. Yes. So that is huge. We've made a ton of progress mm-hmm. and. You don't think about it. You're just no. thinking about what comes next. Your 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 perception versus your reality are definitely definitely two different things, right? And it's because when you're when you're working on your own thing, like you see this vision for yourself, and when you don't reach like that vision, like it just feels like failure. There is a middle ground, you know what I mean? But the, in our eyes, like it's about that ultimate goal, or like. We didn't make it, you know? Right. So I can look and say there's a lot of things that I haven't accomplished yet that I'm still working towards. But then I also look at somebody else who looks at my life and they're like, dude, at the end of the day, like, you graduated college, you know, like, you're working a good job, you own a home, you've been a home homeowner for years, you know what I mean? Like, these are, I guess, I don't want to say typical things, but these are things that people strive for, have a good job, own your own home, and this and this and that, and it's school. Like, these are things that our parents taught us, you know, like, go to school, get a job, this and that. And for me, it's like, nah, I'm still not doing fully exactly what I want to do, even what I went to, what I went to school for. And until I achieve like those goals in my head, like that, I'm always driven to get those. And the, the other thing is, even when you start reaching those goals, you always find new goals. Yeah. So it's like you're constantly chasing this high. I, I get why people do drugs sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone. Yeah. This is the worst interview. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, that was an amazing segue uh, that actually will lead us to our next point. So you come, you do all this work, these yeah. other jobs. You Now you have a job that you like, you can put, be creative with, right. and it's actually related to what your one of your moonlighting ventures is. Yes. So what, we know what you do, what is your 
What's your passion? What's your true profession? What do you really want to be out here doing? What, what is that? <clears throat> so, or those things? Yes. So one of them, um, to this closer segue, um, music. So I mentioned that earlier. Like I've been doing music as an MC, I mean, for, for a long time. Um, and not that it's ever something that I looked at and say, like, I want to one day be signed and be on this uh, label and this and this and that. I've never cared for that personally. But in the sense of just making music that I felt was relative and, you know, getting it out to people, I feel could definitely make any sort of, like, impact or, like, any positive change. Like, I've always been for that. And that's why, to certain degrees, it's like, I don't mind working, like, say, another job. Because your job's your job. That's making money. That's paying my bills. I'm good. With the music, I've, I've always kind of lived by the rule of, like, either at some point you're going to compromise your money for art or your art for money. And that's the decision that you make. Um, with making the music that I like making, I'd rather compromise, just in that small space, compromise, you know, some of the money for art because I know I'm free to say whatever I want to say and make sure, like, the, the music is good. Where it goes from there, it's whatever, you know? But I wouldn't want get to get to a point where I was relying on that to pay bills where it's like, damn, well, I want to talk about, like, you know, we got a lot of people, unfortunately, in our community that's getting shot down by police. But nah. I got to make this record about people shaking ass at the club because I got to eat and pay my mortgage. Uh, so, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I'd rather not be in that situation. Um, but, I mean, you have to coexist in these worlds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, making music, and I've been doing that. I used to, uh, so, if, you know, anybody familiar with Twin Cities, um, I was in a group uh, called Purest Form, and um, we, were, we made records as a collective, and then we've also done records like Solo. Um, and then, you know, people, and the funniest part is people always ask, like, why did y'all break up? And it's like, we never broke up. Like, folks got grown and got married and got kids and priorities. Yeah. <laughs> so it's different when you're, you know, doing it like in high school and college and you don't have anything, you know, to, you know, you don't have those type of responsibilities versus when you do. Like, and that's just, that's just life. Um, but yeah, I always plan on writing and making music. Um, and in the meanwhile, the other profession that kind of that kind of works with it as well. Um, I went to school for film, um, so like screenwriting, and that's my other passion. Now that passion is something that I see myself doing like, for the rest of my life, and that's how I kind of got into DJing was because working these other jobs, you know, from dietary aid to being a project manager at one point for a few years, um, I was always looking to do that stuff on the side until that could take over like full time. Um, with the DJing. It allowed me to not work, you know, technically nine to five, but still have where I'm working my hours, getting my money. But then I had more time, like during the week, to work on my passion. Um, so schedule-wise, that works out. So it kind of gives you a schedule where you're working across or against the grain of everybody else, and I'm actually fine with that. I would never want to go back to a typical nine to five if I could help it. You know, like I, I like having a schedule that's kind of reversed from, from everybody. Um, it makes it a little tough, of course, to keep up with people and to keep up with, uh, you know, people's birthdays and, you know, or, or going to these events because everyone does stuff on, you know, the weekends and it's like, well, that's my weekday, you know, so you kind of miss out on those things. But, you know, uh, end of the day, you know, it's about doing whatever you got to do to achieve the goals that you set, you know. All right. So you do two things that are somewhat similar and somewhat different. You do yeah. hip hop and you do film as well. Yep. So. Mind if I talk about the hip-hop for a second? Yeah. Because I want people to know this. We had another <coughs> rapper on, and what I liked about him, uh, 
survival those check out that episode as well mm-hmm. uh he rapped about what he knew and it was a lot a lot about corporate life like yeah. the, the the stuff he had to deal with being a former student and going to work things of that nature you as you just alluded to you rap about different stuff you don't mm-hmm. rap about drugs as much as i want you to <laughs> what, what as, much, I, as much as you've told me to <laughs> what would what would you describe as your content and and because i know everyone would want to just leave you as a conscious rapper right so, of course. So I want to know not just what you're about, but the why. Because mm-hmm. you grew up around the same stuff most other people grew up around. You right. Know? So how'd you get to that point? And, you know, and like, what do you rap about and how'd you get to that point of rapping about it? Um, I guess, I mean, I, I rap about just like things that I feel impact me personally. Um, like things that are, uh, like, for, for instance, being a writer, you're always better at communicating through through writing versus you know, just verbally. Um, like even like sitting here doing an interview sometimes, like I have like a thousand words going through my head and it feels like a clogged faucet where only like maybe one or two things like drip out, like for what I really want to say. Um, but, and I've gotten better with that over the years. So it's definitely not as obvious, but when I first started writing, like it was definitely like that. So through writing and like getting music out, like, you know, personal feelings, your personal story, your personal journey, I've always been better at doing that, uh, in writing. So with that, I like to touch on, um, like my personal things, my personal stories, because I'm sure somewhere, somewhere in the world, someone's going through something similar and you hope that they can kind of hear your story and like, you know, relate to it or like, you know, makes them feel better or helps them get over, you know, something that they're going through. Um, <clears throat> other stuff that I like talking about is just like social issues, like what's going on today, what's going on in this world. Um, why are things how they are? Because I'm a naturally inquisitive person. Um, so of course these things are going to come out like in music and, I think that's, it's important to talk about what's going on around you. Because even look at uh, artists, like look at like a Marvin Gaye. Like, you still have a song like What's Going On that's like relevant now. Um, and that's obviously like over 40 years old, if not 50 years old at this point. So I always think about like making music, like my ultimate goal. So at, I mentioned earlier, like if it wasn't about like, you know, getting signed and being on this label and doing X, Y, Z, then what is your goal? And if my goal is more about impact, you know, then I want to make, you know, timeless music that whether you listen to it right now, listen to it in 50 years, it's still going to have some sort of relevancy. It's still going to impact someone's life, you know, to, you know, do something better. Um, so yeah, I might have a song where I talk about drugs, for instance, <laughs> to bring it back, but it's going to be about those negative effects, but not just, I might, I might, you know, cause like in a lot of us, like you might have, uh, some sort of, you know, um, not drug, I was say drug dealer, uh, drug user in your family, like, you know, someone who's, you know, strung out on crack, or, you hear a lot of those stories, like, in, you know, rappers talking about their block, or, you know, talking about their family, and in my family, like, I've had that, you know, from, you know, we, we have anywhere from scholars to drug addicts, you know, so I see those effects, and then I talk about them, but from, like, the effect, you know what I mean, and then I like to take it a step further to talk about, like, the why, you know, like, how did they get here, because we'll talk about what's right in front of us, but a lot of this stuff is connected on a bigger level, so, I don't know, end of the day, music is just me kind of, you know, expressing myself and kind of finding my way through this world, and then I feel like there's other people who are on those same type of journeys in some way, shape, or form, and then how can, you know, that relate to them? Uh, did I answer the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, I guess so. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, and the other part, too, is, I mean, it's not all just, like, you know, serious, like, head nod music. Like, there's certain, there are some, because I, I also grew up, I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, but... Uh, a lot of my uh, family on my father's side is from um, Alabama. 
Um, so I also grew up on a lot of like southern music in terms of like like Miami like eight oh eight like bass music or just like you know, like just other stuff a lot of stuff with a lot of bounce. So I like stuff that has energy, you know. So even if I'm talking about something, you know, quote unquote conscious, I still like it to have like a lot of energy to it where you can like throw your hands up to it, move to it, you know. Um, or I might have a song that might it feels like it might kind of fit in the club. Now it won't be like a typical club song. It might have that type of energy, but for me. I understand the fact that regardless of what you're talking about in your verse, if you have a catchy hook and a catchy beat, it's going to catch. Right. Well, then let me go ahead and just sneak in like some real lyrics in there. So it's like if you like to just bounce, you know, and have a good time and dance, you might like this track. But somebody else will also listen to like uh, he's also kind of spitting like in his verses. So best of both worlds. Why not? Was it do you think it's harder for you to maneuver within the rap space with the subject matter that you have as opposed to rapping about what people would expect you to talk about? Yes. Um. But I think only in a, in a sense of because the way that, and you know, I, I take it back. It's, 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 it's tougher, I guess, on a bigger scale, but overall with, especially like with the internet, like over the last like 10 years, you can do a lot of things independently you couldn't do in like the last 10 to 20 years. And it does. So in that sense, it makes it easier to connect with a lot of people and uh, you don't need to like, you don't need to formulate yourself to fit into this box to, you know, get out and be exposed. But you still need that depending like the level that you're trying to get to, I guess. So yeah. it, it all depends on what you're looking to do and what your end goal is. And my end goal is just obviously to reach as many people as I can, but to not change my content. And I've had people, you know, approach before like, yeah, you, or even when we were uh, with purest form, you know, people, it was weird because it was, so our group makeup, you know, consisted of, you know, two, you know, African-American males, uh, another mixed male, black, white, Native American, an Italian, um, and his brother, who was, uh, you know, our DJ. And people will, you know, be like, you guys have this very nice multi-ethnic look. You all went to college. And this is like, what? So you, they already, you already saw how people were trying to put you in these boxes yeah. and try to market you. And it's like, yo, we're out here talking about, like, revolutionary stuff. And they're like, that's great. But you have this very amazing look. We can like, And I was like, it was mad weird. Yeah. But... But again, like that's they're coming from the perspective of this is like how the music industry works, and this is how we want to you know get you over and make money because in a day that's what it's for, right? Making money. So, and we've had that discussion before, just you know off the record, where you talk about like end of the day, like whatever the artist's content is. Once you have other business people in there, their goal is to make money. Right. So they're going to give you the best advice to make money based on what the market is right now and what they feel people are buying. You know what I mean? Because that's their job to move money. So if you're not doing anything that's moving money based on the current, you know, market, it don't matter what you're talking about. Now, if the current market changed to where it was popular and the industry saw that, hey, you can make money off of people, you know, actually, you know, having quote conscious songs, then I think it would move towards that. Because in the day, it's it's there's no feeling behind it. It's about money. You know what I mean? So you said your your ultimate goal is to reach as many people as possible right so let's just say let's just make that our tangible thing now okay uh, when you started mm -hmm. what was your biggest between during the journey mm -hmm. highest point and then point where you're like i don't want to i shouldn't be doing this this is a waste of my time mm -hmm. can you think of those two points at the top of your head greatest rev accomplishment it could be a show it could be a compliment an actual compliment and then that one point where you're like yo i shouldn't even be doing this <laughs> um I think for greatest accomplishments, it's on, on one hand, it's, and not to sound um, like I'm bringing this down, but 
literally like having like my first solo project, like just looking at it, like packaged and just done. Like, cause as someone who's an independent artist, you value those things so much more because you're there every step of the way, like from your album, like art design to the packaging. It's like, you're like, you know, you are your manager, you are your tour manager. Like you are everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to see this, you know, finished product in your hand, you know, and, and, and in the store, you know, um, it's like, wow. I remember when this was just, you know, a concept in my head, yeah. you know, and then it's made it to, you know, paper and, you know, cause yes, a, a brother does write <laughs> and all that, not writing stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I get Come on, man. Please, it's, it's cool to write, man. <laughs> but, um, no, but, uh, you know, have it go from a concept in your mind to written form to in the booth, you know, to a recorder, you know, to, blah, blah, to all these steps and see it go through this process into the end product, you know, like it feels like a huge accomplishment. Then of course, after you get used to that, that uh, assembly line finish, and then of course your goals change. Um, so after that, I would say, you know, because of course performing in front of audiences, and you know, you perform as an independent artist anywhere from five people to five hundred. You know, so being in a space where I was able to perform in front of you know a thousand people like that's pretty dope. And then the fact that they received your music very well, of course, because obviously you know if it was whack and they booed you, that would suck. But um, it was re- received very well, so that was that felt pretty awesome. Um, as well as even performing music in another country. And that was that was still, that wasn't planned. It was all very just spur of the moment. But the fact that it happened and the fact that, you know, we went from just having a conversation about hip-hop to actually, like, doing hip-hop in the middle of the street, you know, in a barrio in South America. So another story one time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. shutting down traffic, like, both ways, and people coming out, like, giving us money for, like, music, you know, and it's like, this is crazy. But those are always special moments to me. Um but the point of like, you know, where I wouldn't say, you know, stop where I would say, you know, I want to stop doing this, but where it definitely was like, this is no longer a like number one option per se is, you know, as you get a little older and your priorities start changing and it's like, well, while I don't want to, you know, abandon doing music because I already have kind of started on this journey where I know this is not my main money maker. Right. I got to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where yeah. work comes yeah. in, yeah. you know, so it's about. You know, it, it kind of it gets on the back burner of, well, I got to, you know, I got to pay these bills and, you know, I got to take care of this. You know, you want money stashed away for your family and all that stuff. Um, so it starts taking less of a priority. And yeah. and that's just that's what happens. But, you know, as long as you find the time to do it like in between um, and you're still just, you know, true to yourself and, you know, still making like genuine music. To me, that's always been a goal. And that's always that's always an attainable goal, you know. So, OK, so. There's a, there's a documentary I, I haven't seen all the way through, but I started it. It's called Adult Rapper, and it's about these guys mm-hmm. who, who, uh, they weren't really famous. One mm-hmm. of them was Murs. Uh, yeah, I think he was the most famous guy. Mm-hmm. But it was a bunch of guys, uh, mostly like alt rappers, mm-hmm. who were talking about living a life and like, uh, like for example, they couldn't tell people that they were rappers, right? They, yeah. they were embarrassed by it because they weren't known for rapping. Yeah, and then they got to a point where it is like, interesting. I have to work, so. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do you think about that now? Do you think about there's a shelf life on this to where I can't I won't be able to rap anymore because this isn't I'm not at a specific level to where I can this is cool. Like mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? Cuz you've been doing it for a while and you enjoy yeah. it. So I feel like you should be able to just do it until you're you're dead. Yeah. So is it something that has a you know a time span for you where you feel like, you know, this was fun for a while but I think I can wrap this up forever. Um yeah, and um I think I I think 
you, I think one, you should be able to do it, like I said, as long as you feel like doing it. Like as long as long as you're still good at it too. Let's let's put that out there too. Some dudes, yeah. Or if you just want to do it in your basement, you know, by yourself, that's cool too. Um, I think that for me, I have like a invisible checklist of stuff that I've wanted to do, like as an MC before I like officially, you know, hang it up. Um, so it's more based on that checklist versus like I guess age, but you know, and hip because hip hop is such a youth driven culture. Um. There's definitely, like, you know, points folks get to certain, like, age range or whatever. It's like, okay, it's time to, like, hang it up because you're just old. And it's like, I think hip-hop is now getting old enough to where, like, I think you can have... And, again, this is not, like, mainstream, but just period. Like, you can have, like, I don't know if you want to call it, like, adult, contemporary, like, hip-hop. Right. I don't know. You know, or, you know, just working-class hip-hop. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, you work at a job, but you also do music on the side. Um, I think it'd be different if I only pursued hip hop full time and was like, yo, I'm really trying to make this pop and be my number one, like breadwinner. Then I think there would be that conversation of like, all right, at this point I have to quit this. Like there's, there's dudes, I put like this and you, you used to go with us when we would do those, uh, pasta bar battles. Uh, so Lauren pasta bar side note, it's a place in a dinky town and that's a, a place in university of Minnesota campus. Uh, they used to host these, uh, rap battles like every third Monday. And we would go there, especially myself, out of our group, and, you know, to do these battles and, you know, get your get your weight up, you know, cut your teeth or whatever. Uh, Joe's definitely been to a couple, so he can tell you about some of the, the, the shenanigans of it. They were the best <laughs> and the worst things <laughs> of all time. Yeah. But there are guys that, you know, let's say, like, since this happened, you know, all they've done is just rap. And then it's like, you get to a point where it's like, yo, you hit 5, 10, 12 years. And if your goal was, I guess, to quote, make it in, in the general sense of terms, how we um, describe that, they didn't make it. And it's like, well, you got to go get a job. Well, what experience do you have? Because all you've been doing is rapping over the last like 10, 12 years. Like what job can you actually get? You know what I mean? I think, you know, for myself and even, you know, a lot of my peers, because we always were, we were rapping, but we weren't doing it as a main thing. We always were doing stuff on, on the side or in the forefront. You know, we just never had aspirations to just be rappers. Um, and I think that's that's why that's helped. And I feel like I don't have a shelf life in the sense of, like, you've been doing this forever. Like, it's time to, like, quit because this is that. It's like, no, I do it when I feel like doing it. I make my own schedule. And I make my own goals. And in the meanwhile, I'm working on other... You know, that's not the only thing I aspire to do. So I think that... I think that definitely helps. And, again, being relative and just still being good. I think that I'm not saying that you know to be cocky in myself. Like I'll put some out if you tell me it's whack, it's whack. But if I if I think that I can no longer, you know, write good music or write relative music, I think that's more of a sign of like it's time to hang it up. You know. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do you have? Is it hard telling people that you do this? Because there is a con. There's a connotation mm-hmm. that comes to anything, right? You say Absolutely. You're a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah. You know. That, is it tough for you to go out into a place and like, yo, I, this is what I do? Yeah, I don't, I never, I don't lead with it. <laughs> 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 How you doing? I'm Anthony, I'm an MC, or I'm a rapper. Be like, what? Like, no, it's it, it's, it is a weird connotation. And that's kind of whack because yeah. if you think about yeah. it, if you paint it, yeah, you can tell people you paint it, you right? Know, if you did, if you did poetry, <laughs> like if you did something in the poetry field, if you did something, if you you were a singer, you know, and mm-hmm. you had words, just like you had, say you sold them out same amount, and mm-hmm. you had a recurring job singing mm-hmm. as opposed to rapping, you could, you'd be like, yo, I sing for blank. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's this weird thing with rap specifically. It's very specific. Super juvenile. It is. 
And it's like, you know, like, where does that come from? And, and, and how do you break that mentality? Because, again, I think the only thing you should be, you know, you should be judged on is, is it good or not? Right. And, and I mean, that's, that's simple. But I think because it's such a field where is it good can mean a lot of things. There yeah. isn't, like, a strict, like, bar. So then, yeah, it gets all over the place. And I think that's why you get some stuff out there that's really below the bar. But say they were just, you know, really great at grinding. Like, I'm not knocking. That's what's up. But the standard's been set to a point where it's like, this is, you know, it's, it's not that great. So then people look at that, and then if they don't know much about hip-hop, they associate you with that because that's all they know. So then it's kind of like, no, now you got to sit down and have an education, you know, period with someone about no. Like, there's different, you know, levels of hip-hop. There's different styles. It's all, there's subgenres within hip-hop, you know what I mean? And you get to the point where you know what? I don't rap like that dude. I'm actually nice. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the only way you can bring it down, you know. And because of course that's a part of you know MCing is that you know having that confidence, kind of that bravado, like you know that's no matter what level you are. It's, 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 it was based and built on competition, you know. Nice. So you're always gonna have some of that with you, no matter what. But yeah, no. If I, it's how you define yourself, and I've never defined myself as just an MC, but I've always looked at it like you know through MCing, through DJing. And through um, being a writer, being a filmmaker, these are all just simply vehicles to me to tell like stories. I'm a creative person. I'm an artist. Like I guess that's the biggest definition. Underneath that are the sub branches of MC and DJ and, uh, and being a being a film film writer, being a screenwriter, um, and whatever vehicle is the best way to tell a certain story. I'm using that vehicle for that. So I'll get certain ideas that I feel work better for a song. Other ideas that work better for an actual like short film or long film. And then, like, I get, like, different, like, you know, ideas for mixes and stuff like that for DJing. So, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Like, how do you define yourself? How do you see yourself? But, you know, you're absolutely right. I think having having the ability to do several things, I don't have to put myself in a box. Because it probably would feel weird to just lead with, I'm an MC. And yeah. it's, it's just something, even though it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, it's still, it's like everybody, you know, because there's someone making money off this, right? And they're making good money. Yeah. But it's like the MC is what's bringing a lot of that, you know, to the forefront. They do but, much, yeah. They, they and yet, yeah. And yet, it's like you're, you kind of get like the, the least like credit, like like you're, because when you see the breakdown of the money, it's like you're, it's almost like, yeah, you're you're the worker and or whatever, but you don't you don't get you don't you don't bear all the fruits, right? You know I mean? So it's, it, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Well, I like the fact that you you have an end point, and it's a realistic end point. It's when you don't feel you can provide value to things anymore. So you're you're you you're in tune with reality on it, right? Absolutely. So with that said, mm-hmm. let's let's jump into your other thing. Okay. Uh, let, let's because I want to talk about film. Because film, I feel like yeah. it's a little different, man. There's like it, absolutely, it's, it's not as easy as you can write songs, man. Put them out in the studio by yourself. Well, you know, maybe have someone give you studio time, but film yeah. is a whole bunch of stuff with it so it's a whole nother beast so how's film going where are things at what do you want to be doing with it if you had your dreams right now if you could have your way mm-hmm. what would you be doing um well let's say film and what is, do you do within film because i guess I, that could be anything you could be absolutely. a cameraman you could be a what, 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 <laughs> what yeah um so w- within film i mean i'm a, uh, a writer and then also uh, through that a director because originally starting off as a writer but then you start realizing like as you work with other other people and um you're cultivating a story you realize like the director has a lot of power to keep the story you know how it needs to be 
Because when you're just a writer, when you're writing for other people, they take your work and they change it around and this and that. And if that's the point of that project, then that's cool. Uh, for me, when I know I'm writing like certain things, I know I want them a certain way. And that's how I actually ended up getting into directing. So it's like I'm a writer slash director. Um, so I'll, obviously the, the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I, I guess it started a company. Uh, we officially came together in 2008 uh, called Ascend Entertainment Productions. Um, and that was just a name we were using just to, to shoot films. Like, I've done a lot of uh, film contests. Um, one that ended up uh, showing, or not showing, I'm sorry, we didn't place. Um, I just took it down there and started showing it myself. <laughs> but uh, this was in uh, Miami uh, at the American Black Film Festival. Um, I had a chance to run into a lot of people in the film industry, and that was real cool. Like, and from all levels, from you know entry level to like, actors in Hollywood, black actors in Hollywood for like 30 plus years. So that was a dope experience. Um, so while I'm DJing, um, I work on, you know, music and film on the side. Um, the film part has been the slowest of the three because it's like this, it's just this natural rotation of life and where it's taking me. Um, and film is still the ultimate goal. So where I want to be ultimately is to own my own company. That's what Ascend is. Uh, but to actually be like a, a full fledged like film company, you know, with staff and, you know, um, shooting our own projects, but also having the capacity mm. to hire ourselves out to uh, help other people shoot their own projects. Um, so, for instance, like myself, I'm not a not a um, like I don't I'm not a cameraman, but I want to have people who I know can shoot. Um, I do editing, not a necessity, but I definitely like if I can have a full time editor, like that would be dope. Um, I'll probably still be there in the editing room just because again, from writing to directing, you know like what you're looking for, but you still want to give people the space to bring that other creativity out of it. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, I would uh, love for my f- full-fledged company be to be just bustling. Like, that would be awesome. What would you, if you had, do you want, so you'd be running this as, like, a CEO or a business? Would you be directing a lot of stuff? Would you be a creative? Directing a lot. Um, would probably have to wear the CEO title. Um, and, again, a lot of this because having a certain vision and knowing how you want things like you have to be in control of it as much as possible and not controlling you know understand when you have to delegate absolutely but just knowing that having the right staff and people with you to be on board with that vision um it makes it a little easier for let to let people run the business side i still want to have my hands in the creative side but um being independent that's just always the way I want to go because I can like, like most of us doing you know that you probably interview on your show a lot of us don't like just working jobs for other people right, <laughs> you know right I mean? exactly yeah. like it's you know you, you know we, we want things to be done a certain way and you know you need to, you need to be hands on to make sure that your vision is uh, coming to life now, I don't want to I don't this is the only example I know so mm-hmm. take no offense it's not because he's black and you're black but like, <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Perry is the first name that comes to mind because he mm-hmm. did plays made movies and now mm-hmm. you can tell he's kind of like churning out content running it do you want to go that same path uh, do you want to make a bunch of films mm. short films or do you kind of want to just recruit people and then grow a network to the point where you have this company that people come to um well i've already done a lot of uh just like smaller projects and i think that was my first thing so like when i finished school because and originally it's funny because i want to be a, a, a sportscaster so it's always funny how life takes you but, me too yeah so i realized you don't get paid shit my realization one was that i couldn't wear a fro on like espn it ended they, they were not <laughs> not back then no but then all no but also um because i didn't really want to be a part of the media like i did like sports journalism and i've had a chance i had a chance way back when to like uh be like a college writer like when the final four was here and 2001 yep 
So uh, I was sitting next to Bill Walton. That dude's tall than a mug. Yeah. Um, but. And it was actually uh, Bob Ryan. I always talk about this. And Bob Ryan, he's from Boston, right? Yes, he is. So there's a Boston connection. Boom. Bob Ryan, without knowing, kind of sort of changed my life. Um, when he broke down, there's only six ways you can write a sports story. And he broke like them all down. He's like, it's incredib- incredibly repetitive. Um, all you're doing is changing some of the names you know, and the, the dates. And then you know, you don't get paid much. Uh, I'm sure there's a few that are making bank. But, I mean, for the most part, most you know, beat writers aren't making too much. And it's like, you know, the biggest thing is, well, you kind of get to break, like, secrets. And I'm like, I don't really care for that. Like, I always, like, creative stuff, and I figured I would just be doing that for fun. So then when I went to school, and I'm like, wait, I can actually do this under screenwriting. I'm like, this makes perfect sense. And then that journey uh, took off from there. And then even, like, doing my first um, doing my first film or just interning on my first film in New York. Like, that was a whole other experience. But all of this stuff kind of, like, drove me to, like, you know, working on other people's projects. It was like, this is great. But when do I get to work on my projects, you know, so it's like I want to get to the point where I can do my own project. So some of that, some of the business model that uh, Tyler Perry has, like it's not, I mean, that's, it's pretty good. Like, you know, you have your own, you know, independent, I mean, you're, I don't know if he's independent, but he has his own film company. Right, yeah, exactly. His yeah. own like sound, like studio and everything like that. So I would say that is something I would love to have um, at some point. I don't see that in the next like five years, but like at some point, like on this journey, like that would be a goal. Absolutely. What be your what, what, all right, let's, let's talk tangible attainable goals in the near future? What would mm-hmm. be your next big thing? Like, there's next thing you'd want to do with film. Would it be mm-hmm. a longer feature? Would it be what? What would it be? What, 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 what is that? What you would like to work mm-hmm. on if you had all the free time in the world? Right now, yeah, just more. I'm still more in the creating projects um, mindset. So from doing like feature length films to uh, documentaries, you know, we talk about the thirty for thirties a lot. Yes, and I have uh, at least three on the table. Um, that I've actually been uh, talking with a couple of people about getting done. So the, the biggest, I guess, I won't say issue, but the biggest roadblock I have currently is just the funding um, in a way that to, to get someone who can really be like a gopher and like figure out like where are all these places you can get like grant scholarships um, and just other ways, whether it's finding like an angel investor or things like that. But to me, I've always been a person I've been told like, you know, put your product on the table first. That's the one thing that I've learned because like, people will come to you all day with ideas and I want to do this or I got a script for this. But when you take the initiative and you actually like have a finished product done and you can present that to somebody, it's right. like, no, I did this on a shoestring budget. Imagine what I can do with X amount. Yeah, It's a lot easier. And it opens yeah. like more doors as an independent person because you're showing that initiative. They're like, look, I don't, I already, I already showed that I have the work to do this and I already have the, the drive to do this. So now I'm just looking to do this on a bigger scale. Um, so I think, so for me, my goal was always just to keep shooting projects, um, even to the point where I, I went to a few grant writing classes and they were telling me I kind of went backwards. Like, um, you, I kind of did step one, then step three, and then go into the grant. Then it's like step, step two. It's like if you already have finished products, like you're, that's a real good sign. Uh, so, I mean, some are out, some aren't out. But just to have in that portfolio is the biggest thing. Um, so there's still a few bigger things that I want to do. And then based on this group of projects total from like the last few years to like those next couple, I think that will put me in a better position to get bigger money and do the bigger projects that I really want to do. That would be the difference of not just doing this for fun and, you know, say DJing as a main thing, but film as the main thing, and then I'm DJing for fun. Because at this point, because I never expected to be DJing this much, but it's actually really fun. And to me, it's at a point where I want to flip it, where it's okay, well, now I'm so busy with film stuff, you want me to DJ? you got to pay some extra money. Right, yeah, <laughs> You know, because yeah. 
I mean, you know, I'm talking. We're talking about that David Guetta money. I do makes money. He makes so. tons of money. They make so much money. No, that's what uh, Dude, traveling DJs get paid. Yes, they do. You get a residency in Vegas. They yeah. make money. I'm coming for that money. Like, what's <laughs> What's the most realistic goal you think between rapping? Like, it's just as focused on rapping and film. Mm-hmm. They're both entertainment, and they're both being people are trying to entertain both at a regular mm-hmm. pace because they're just lured by it. Yeah. For you, what do you think is more more realistic? For me, garnering a large following from, or just let's just say generating a large following for either one. Yeah, um, for for a larger following, I guess I would probably say film. Really? Um, I mean, I already, I mean, I have enough of a following, um, you know, uh, MCing, but and that's the other part. I because earlier we were talking about shelf life. Um, for MCing, like I said, there's a I have like this invisible checklist, and that checklist is almost done. You know, film, like, I'm, I don't want to say I'm just getting started because I've been doing it for, you know, 12 years now. Um, wow. But that checklist is longer of so many things that I want to accomplish. And that's something that I can see myself doing. So there's there's no shelf life of you can't do film, you know, no longer at like 50 or right. whatever. Yeah, right. You can, I can write for the rest of my life. I can be the CEO of a company for the rest of my life. So it's like mid-range goals. It's like certain musical, like MC, like, things on that list that I want to check off in the next like you know two to five years but film like that's literally something I can see myself doing until I die really like yeah what drives that passion the the creativity the freedom the just seeing your again because so similar to like with music but uh taking a step further like seeing a concept in your head go from there to like the big screen or even television like seeing that fully fleshed out like creation like just out and you know again people were able to be entertained by it educated by it whatever that goal is and that's something that you know it's it's constantly you know going to be in the state of need you know and and i think there's a lot more of us that you know need to be represented especially behind the scenes um because i mean you have a lot of you know fantastic actors um and actresses but how many of us do you hear about as directors you right. know, or as CEOs, as owner of these companies? Um, and then the fact that when you don't have um, us behind the cameras, you don't get our stories in front of the cameras or at least told how they should be. That's or you get point. these, you know, big projects where, you know, and you hear this, you know, all the time, you know, about uh, Hollywood whitewashing projects. Well, I mean, cause there's not a lot of us behind those, you know, behind the scenes to tell these stories so then they're thinking well, our only audience is this and you tell these stories that are just kind of bogus or you know that they're not that we don't relate to yeah. you know and I think we need we need to see that um, and and even uh, I'll give an example of um, I was saying we were doing uh, we just do a lot of film uh, competitions and I'll never forget this story uh, or this experience you know we walk in it was so me and my crew um, about two uh, three of us total and but we all came in at separate times and everybody had the same story. We're walking in, um, and there was two lines. You go either over here for like the uh, actors and actresses, or for talent, or you go over to the other side for uh, if you're a director. So this overall, what this what this setup was, was for the uh, for this film, uh, for this film project we were doing or this this uh, competition, the directors would go on you know one side, and then we're evaluating the talent. Once all the talent's been evaluated you know, then you have a chance to, like, pick them for, like, your project, you know, get things going. Um, but when we walk up, you know, the lady, you know, I'm, as we're going through the line, she's asking people, you know, talent or director. You say which one you are, she tells you where to go. Yeah. She does this for everybody. 
in front of me. I come up, and she's me like, hey, how you doing? Talent's this way. Uh, and I was yeah. like, huh? And she's like, talent's this way. So I was kind of confused. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I'm like, I'm just kind of sitting there. And then she like, because I wasn't moving. So she's like, oh, uh, you can see like her face kind of like had this like short malfunction. And she's like, wait, um, talent or director? And I was like, director? And she said, directors are this way. But it's like she didn't, she just kind of, whether she played it off or caught herself or whatever, like she didn't like, oh, you know, my bad or whatever. But it's like, that was mad, like, you know, micro, but it's still kind of like, wow. Shows you, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you don't expect to see us on that side of the camera. Everybody with me had the same experience because we were all there as directors, you know, Ah, or directors and writers, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was mad weird. But again, it's, it just goes to show you, like, they don't see. You know, and and this is a Minnesota-based story, but I think this can travel throughout just the industry. Period. You don't see as much of us that should be represented behind the camera. So when I see that, and you know, my idol growing up was you know Spike Lee. You know what I mean? So mine was Spike yeah. Lee from like '89 to like '99. <laughs> I think I feel like he's he's made some stuff. We're like Spike. Yeah, you got to scratch your head. But <laughs> but but I, but I still respect it. You know, because like he's made some stuff that's great. And I've always just admired the fact that whether he's made something that was great or something you like, uh, but he made what he wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, you can do that. That's that to me is, is the biggest thing. We can debate, you know, like what. You know, the, I guess the level of greatness or terribleness that the project might have came out to, but the fact that what I admired is that he's doing his own thing for the most part, whereas it feels like you know other folks that might have been in the same position might have had more strings attached to them. So it's like you're kind of doing what you want to do, but you got to do you know, like we talk about MCing when you have that artist who signs that first contract and they put out this album where it's like there's definitely a lot more people in your ear. You got to do this and that to like this is what's selling. But once you hit a uh, point where you're making this money then you get more creative input you can be more you so you always notice that first album of someone sounds a certain way that second third album if they make it to that sounds a little more personable or yeah. more about those experiences about how they were held back on the first project you know? yeah, exactly i think it's the same way in the film industry on certain aspects you have to do certain things with yeah. other people or have people kind of in your pockets first prove yourself and then you can kind of make more what you want to make i think for him even like his body of work from like um, Malcolm, or do the right thing. She's got to have it. School days to like Malcolm X, um, and so forth and so forth. By the time you got up to like a bamboozle, you know he was at such a you know because a lot of people that's a very divisive movie. Either you love it or hate it, and I think that was like a good just however long he had been in the industry like twenty plus years at that point. Yeah, of just frustration and just like this is the type of thing I want to make. It don't matter what happens, how much it sells. I want to make this type. You know, I feel like that was it for him too. Like not yeah. that, that was when his movie stopped being good to me. Like mm. And I think it must have been, and well, that was that was a culmination, which I thought was great. Absolutely, yeah. and yeah, it, it, and again, that's the way you hit that. You know, what are you in it for? You know, because yeah. you at that point he's made money. It was like it don't matter if his projects make money if he's still about that. But he also turned around and put his name on, say, like uh, Inside Man. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't see that as a Spike Lee movie, but yeah. he's a part of that, and that was a good movie. Right. You know, so um, yeah, so bring, bringing it back, I admire that. Um, and I've always, you know, wanted to see that. Like, yeah, it's like we get to tell, when we're on that side of the camera, we do get to tell more creative stories or more stories that relate to us. And I think we need to see that. You know, we need to see us behind the camera just as much as in front of it. And even you get shows like Atlanta. We talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I read this. So I, I believe it's, I'm pretty sure it's true, you know, because you can't trust everything on the internet. But from what I was told, like the majority, if not all the writers on that show are all black writers. And it feels like it is because the way the humor, the timing, the pacing of it, like, 
it's just things that we pick up on like you know real quick and it, it feels fresh and it feels it feels genuine you know yeah versus just having like okay we got some writers and what do black people like <laughs> like yeah, that yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's a little different you know but i think you have to have that authentic authenticity to really just have you know these stories come across how they need to be told you know i feel you, mm-hmm. you i love this contrast of you mm-hmm. wanting to be behind the camera Mm-hmm. But in front on a microphone, you know what I mean. How does that you, work? You know, right? So it's kind of weird because there's two yeah. totally different personalities. I'm a Libra. Where, I'm, yeah, told, I'm told we're bipolar. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, and it's just like it, it's odd because it, mm-hmm. I think that's it. the reason why I'm pointing that out is yeah. your whole story about talent director. Mm-hmm. I think the big issue is most people, especially if, I guess you could say in the black community, want to be seen and known and heard. Mm-hmm. So that's why you don't have a lot of people behind it. And I guess you're kind of doing, you're filled on one, so you don't need to be fulfilled on yeah. the other, which is, you know what I mean? And I think that's, and I think that's the balance that's, that, that you strike, yeah. or, or I guess the, that I've struck or whatever. Because, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have that desire to be in front of like the camera other than like maybe pop up your cameo or something like something yeah. stupid and fun. But yeah, when it comes to MC and then it's like, yeah, you are front and center. Like you are commanding like all of the spotlight, you know? And I think for, but, but I also think as a writer too, and a director in a, in a certain aspect, you're kind of commanding. Well, that's, it's more for folks that really dig into film. You yeah. Know I mean, where it's like they, they, the, the folks who, cause I'm that person when it comes to film, I do study liner notes. I do look at, you know, director's cuts. I look at the credits and all that. And a lot of people don't do all that. You know, yeah. I look at a shot, you know, and I'll, some people look at a shot and it's like, wow, that was crazy. You keep moving. I'm looking like, wow, how did they do that? Then I'm looking at like behind the scenes stuff. I'm like digging on it online. Like how did this happen? You know, that's what intrigues me. You know, so I think in the, the day, just being a writer and then seeing like the writing aspect like come out and you know directing and everything like I think to me that's enough for me and yeah. in, in, um, in regards to uh, film. But yeah, it, it but that is that is interesting. But then on a flip in the other world, and even same as like I guess DJing too. Like yeah. you're technically you're, you're, most most DJs are you know introverted. I think like yeah. you know you're behind the table, you kind of have this barrier, you kind of just do your thing. But then I understand from the MC side, so a lot of times even when I'm DJing, I'm out there just having a good time, and I think people feed off of that vibe because it's like it's the same, the same type of energy. Like you're, you know, you're kind of controlling um, the energy of the room and like what's going on, and you're able to kind of get people in that positive manner, you know, and just have a good time. Like feels good, and you're you're you're, you're the main source of that. That's pretty all awesome. Right. So a year from now, we check in. What should we say for you in all three aspects: DJing, film, and hip hop. A year from now, year, uh, December, let's just say Christmas, whatever. <laughs> Christmas 2017. Um, I'll be burnt out again from DJing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's you, but that's for this time of year because I, you know, we go so hard, you know, like spring, summer, yeah. fall, I guess, out there every weekend somewhere, you know. And again, I'm already booked like dang near every weekend, but that's, you know, I'm not complaining. That's guaranteed work. Um, so DJing the same. And then I also have, I actually have a residency at a, at a bar right now. Um, I would hope DJ and Wise, you hear some stories about me actually being able to travel. Like that's so that's on my DJ list. I do want to uh, like travel and go other places and DJ, but be, because of like the actual name and because you know someone's like, hey, he's pretty good. We want to bring him out here. I think that'd be awesome. So you guys want to be DJ in Boston? Talk to you. No, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so with that, um, MC wise, I would love to say that my solo album will be done, but I've probably said that like the last like two. 
December's? You said that a lot. I have. It's very frustrating. (laughs) 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 Who are you telling? (laughs) Who are you telling? It's it's, it's the weird thing trying to balance these things um, and trying to find the right time when to focus on which one. Because it's... It's almost like, you know, I wish I could split myself into three different people and work on these things simultaneously. But the reality is, like, that's not going to happen. And it all it's all creative stuff, so I'll, I draw from the same, like, creative well. So, like, when I'm in DJ mode, I'm in DJ mode doing this. When I get in film mode, I'm in film mode. I'm, I guess I'm an indulger, and that's what it is. Like, when I get in one thing, I'm in it, and I'm in it deep for a while. Um, so right now it's been more to DJ, and yeah. then, like I said, the, you know, hopefully album's done. Um, but again, we're going to knock on this. That will be done. It will we'll be, done. be done. And then for film, um, just, I would say just, I would say funding for, cause again, there's, there's a few projects that I already have on the table. I, you know, won't put them out there cause I'm always, I'm superstitious about that, but it's some real good stuff. And if things, you know, with the proper funding, like these could be some really big projects that could lead to some other bigger projects. And that would be super dope. So it's a matter of organizing time. Um, to do all three of these things. Um, the one thing I would say is that I got super busy with DJing over this past, you know, six months, and I didn't expect it, so I kind of misstepped on that and didn't realize how much time... Because I think the other part, too, going back to, you know, with weddings and stuff, people don't realize how much, like, planning it takes. So yeah. doing, like, other, the other, like, gigs, um, you know, birthday parties, bars, you know, clubs, all that stuff, like, you get to just you just show up. Show up, you know, DJ for three, four hours, and you're out. That's it. You know, um with weddings and so you're there the, the whole day but then the week of weeks before that there's a lot of planning that's involved and you're a part of that planning and then if you're somebody who really you know takes pride in that craft um because everything's on a bigger scale like anything that gets messed up or whatever like it's you're on pins and needles it's somebody's big day and things do go wrong sometimes my goal is to make sure i'm not one of them so no. if anything else happens you know your dress gets caught on fire or something that's cool but with music bomb uh, oh, there you I, go. <laughs> I can't. You know what I mean? Um, there you go. Anthony helps your dress catches. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it'll make it a memorable moment. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, only if the party was good. Because that's the thing. If your dress catches on fire, but the party was cracking, they're like, yo, remember your dress caught on fire, but the music was crazy. If the music was terrible, it'd be like, yo, the music was whack and my dress caught on fire and it was just a horrible day and we're getting divorced. And it's like, yo, <laughs> I hope you don't get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do what we can on our end to help those goals happen absolutely so we'll start with the basics where can people reach you uh where maybe not immediate events also i guess most right now most of our listeners in boston but you know websites social media where can people contact you uh for work or just to talk yeah web our website uh that actually that actually should be done by the time this interview comes out um so we'll just have to post the with the official website links and everything but for now social media wise you know I've, uh, on Facebook I have a you know fan page just look up Aquil or put up you know put in facebook.com backslash Aquil 22 um, SoundCloud I got a SoundCloud SoundCloud.com backslash Aquil so I'll just I put up on there like either like DJ mixes or a lot of like mixtape stuff um, and then eventually uh, put up teasers for album stuff I tried to put up too much like actual original material in there but just more like mixtape stuff so you grab it have fun with it that's all good good um, IG or Instagram I'm on there A underscore Quill 22 um, I put up a mix of stuff on there from you know if it's you know film stuff directing stuff um, music stuff DJing whatever it's probably more DJing heavy now so that's the other fun part you kind of see what's going on in life based on what I'm posting more about there's definitely been more DJ stuff and just, you know, commentary 
on you know what's going on in the world. Uh, Twitter a underscore quill twenty two. Uh, Snapchat I just made that a few months ago. It's it's okay. I do mostly DJ and stuff on there just because it's just funny to me and then uh, kind of you know poke fun a few folks you know in their dance moves. But it's it's very entertaining. But uh, just that's just a dash quill on Snapchat. Um, YouTube page I haven't touched in a while, but we'll make some updates. But that's a quill pf all ran together. So pf appears for. So that's nice. all. That's all social media, man. So all our listeners out there, we're going to list all 700 of those links <laughs> on our website. You got to uh, meet people where they're yeah. at. You know? <laughs> uh, but for those of you out there with money or in the mm-hmm. film space, hit them up. Mm-hmm. He's looking for some funding, looking for some projects to get off. So Absolutely. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs and people who are fans of entrepreneurship out there listening. Mm-hmm. Please feel free to contact Anthony. Let's let's start networking. Let's 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 get let's get this community going. Absolutely. Let's try to help our listeners and our speakers as much as possible. Absolutely. Um, for those of you out there, just go to our website, moonlightersclub.com. We're on Facebook, but we're going to just start directing people to the website. We have too much going on right now. Yeah. And I'm just going to pull it all there. We have all our episodes up there. We have some nice commentary. Uh, written by a, a, a member of our team, and all the links where you can find the entrepreneurs have been on the show, and social links for us will be there as well. So just moonlightersclub.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony, I want to say thanks. I, uh, thanks uh, for having uh, me. I love these things, it. man. It's, it uh, our, we did a first. Mm-hmm. We did it in another state, and uh, this Number is enlightening one. to hear to hear people's journeys you know to see how far people have come so absolutely we'll cover some more in the future oh we're definitely going to check in we have to so if oh, you yeah. don't do what you said you're going to do <laughs> it's, it's gonna i'll like be a, a, i'll be a fraud man. like such a loser on this thing yeah, I, I, can't, I can't i can't be it i can't be it man. i feel like i feel like we didn't talk about where you're at and i only say that because as a listener of other podcasts you always have a check-in of like where you are oh definitely man i, yeah. I don't like to talk about myself i hate bragging <laughs> it does hate bragging i uh it's funny, I, uh, when we first started this podcast, I was just working on my mobile app mm-hmm. in contractor and development hell, but we actually yeah. have a prototype up. I won't really call it a prototype. I'll say beta on the App Store, only nice. on uh, on uh, Apple's, uh, on iTunes, excuse me. Why can't I speak? On the App Store. Uh, the app store. Mm-hmm. And it's the first version of our mobile app. So right now, I have to find a CTO slash partner. And it's kind of like you said with film. Mm-hmm. Now that I have something live, it's easier for me to talk with someone about the future, but our next steps are getting users mm-hmm. and fixing bugs. So, yeah, my life is going to be working from 9 to 5, leaving work immediately, hitting up gyms, mm-hmm. trying to get users, and still trying to find time to do this podcast. So, and would you say that it's been easier with you having more of that work already done to present to people versus how it's, it's, originally when you're pitching and people kind of like? I'd say the biggest winning there were three big milestones the first one was winning a competition which was kind of validation the mm-hmm. second was having a prototype that i could show you and then the third just saying i have an app on the app store that's a lot of which came out the way you yeah. know it's, it's harder to recruit a developer when you're like oh, i have this really good idea because they don't know where that could take them Absolutely. now that an app is done i could show someone and they don't know what goes into it mm-hmm. like you said about making doing something for a rap mm-hmm. uh you know our film no one knows this shit took like over a year, you know, right. code, you know, so they're like, right. oh, another app, whatever. Right. But people in the actual industry, when I tell them, yeah, I have an app and I, I don't have a team, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you know, this is, this, he's actually willing to put a little bit of work in. So it, it's a, it's a much better conversation starter. So for those of you out there, mm-hmm. do as much as you humanly can by yourself. You'll, Absolutely. You'll figure out what you can and can't do by yourself, first of all. Yeah. And second, it's easier to get traction when you have something. It's mm-hmm. just easier that way. Like, it's good to tell people your dreams and ideas. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But people want to see things happen. They love it. They love seeing progress. So the more you show, the more people you'll attract along the way. 
Absolutely. Yeah, man, we're in it, we're in place, man. It was, it was a dark place. Now it's just a slightly less dark place. We're getting there. We're getting there. So in, in three to five years, will I be doing a, a documentary on Joe Edwards and Fittis? If in three to five years, if everything goes well, I'll be dead from alcohol <laughs> consumption. Are <laughs> 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 doing something ridiculous like the people do once they get a ton of money, like skydiving for no good reason, right. or base jumping. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. I know. I will, I will say I I, I kind of low key missed that. I didn't, I didn't take advantage of enough opportunities to do just dumb rapper stuff. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of like, eh, like I just once more just, just buy a ridiculous amount of bottle, just like just the most ridiculous, expensive like alcohol for just no reason, or just, just dump like, it out like a hawk or an eagle. You would just keep <laughs> on your wrist just in case. Yes, yes, just that random bird like a snow leopard for just no reason. <laughs> we and got leather, time though. We and, got time and leather pants. Leather apparently, pants. You apparently, leather you pants. have to wear leather pants yes. when you hit some certain level of fame. You have to get leather pants. I don't. Do you have any other pants? Not yet, but I can. Do it. I can rock it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not famous. I don't. I don't have any either, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but thanks again for everyone who listened. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time, and we'll be coming back at you again as we usually do with another great episode with another great entrepreneur, Anthony. Best of luck. Thank you. You as well. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye now. Peace.